Hey, it's great to, to have you here this morning. If this is your first time here, I hope you have a special welcome. And uh, talk to somebody in a blue shirt. And uh, if you want to know more about our ministries, of course, talk to Jen about children's ministries. Yeah, so I was involved this week. I led a group of, I don't even know how old they were. <laughs> Seth, how old are you? Eight. Eight, Eight nine-year-olds. It was awesome. So thanks for sending your kids. So we start first by knowing their first name. And so today I'm just going to talk about the importance of name. The theme was making waves, but the theme was about Jesus every week. And so we got to know their names at the beginning. So I would have a group, and we take them to all the stations. I just want to let, I'm just going to briefly share. This is what they learned at the Bible station. The first week, they learned that God made them for a purpose. These kids learned that they're not here by accident. They've been made for a purpose. Second day, they talked about Jesus inviting them to follow him and examples from that. Then it was, you can trust Jesus with your life. And you can see that in some of the songs that we sang. The next was loving others the way Jesus loves you. And then God can help you change the world around you. And that's the idea of waves or ripples, that when Jesus is in our heart, in the kid's heart, and we love like Jesus loved, the world can change. The world certainly needs a lot more love. So it's neat to get to know them by their names. And of course, I'm a curious person. I always ask uh, the last name. Names mean a lot to us. When you, when, a, when you have a baby, is it a boy or a girl? There's always the big gender reveal party. And the next question is, what did you name him or her? Those of you who have, have children, you spent a lot of time figuring out the name of your child. Read books, went on the internet, because that name was important. You had a chance to name one, two, three, how many kids you have. I'm going to give them a name. And so you go through family history, and you go, well, I like this great-great-grandparent, but that name is just not a name I want my kid to have. So you find a different one. So you go after friends, sisters' names, brothers, aunts, uncles. Uh, some kids name, some parents name their kids after athletes. So you might know a Lyndon out there or a Kobe. One of the greatest uh, people who came up with names for their kids was George Foreman. Do you remember who George Foreman was? Heavy, heavyweight boxing champion of the world in the 80s, I think. And then he had the grill that he sold. He had five sons. He named each one of them George. <laughs> so he took a lot of thought for the first kid. And uh, he was asked... Why'd you do that? He says, I named all my sons George Edward Foreman so they would always have something in common. <laughs> I think he had a few too many shots to the head in his boxing career. Yeah, they, will have, they have something in common, a crazy dad. That's what they have in common. March 2020. Do you remember that month? <laughs> that was the first wave of COVID, we were shutting down. There were births going on around the world, and a couple decided to commemorate these trying times in March of 2020 by naming their newborn twins COVID and Corona. True story. The babies were born on March 27th at a government hospital in Rapur, about three days after the entire country of India went into lockdown. 
So the mom said, my husband and I wanted to make the day memorable. The mom told the press trust, the virus is dangerous and life-threatening, but its outbreak made people focus on sanitation, hygiene, and other good habits. Thus, we thought about the names COVID and Corona. When the hospital staff also started calling the babies Corona and COVID, we decided to name them after the pandemic. Any of you name your kids after the pandemic? And they said the names will always remind us to have good hygiene and sanitation. Now, what, what if these kids were born during the pandemic of the swine flu? Or Black Death? This is, this is my son, Black, and, my, and his sister, Death. How about typhoid? Would you like to have the name typhoid? How about smallpox and his big brother, Big Pox? So... People put a lot of thought into names. I mean, these people put a lot of thought into their name. Now, though, the 27-year-old mother, Verma, admits that COVID and Corona are just their given names for now. And they may change their minds later on. We actually did that with our second son. He had a different name uh, for two years, and then we changed it to Jonathan. It's another story. You even have a special name for your cat and your dog. Names matter. Churches have special names. We're, we're not that creative here. We're Broadway, because we're on Broadway, but we're really on Maple, so it can be confusing. What if you were, there actually is a city called Boring, so what if you just named your church Boring Church? There's actually a city called Halfway, it's Halfway Church, or Little Hope Church, so there's all kinds of options there. We care about names. We care about brand names. We care about wardrobe names. We care about car names. There's something to be aligned with the quality and perfection. And this week for the kids, it was about the name Jesus. And we talked about his perfection and his holiness, his love, his grace for us. Jesus is the name above all names the Bible talks about. So there was a festival going on in Jerusalem called the Festival of Booths. Got to be careful, I say that with a slight lisp. Booths, booths, or tabernacles, I'll explain it a bit. But Jesus got, in, on the last day of the festival, it says in John chapter 7, Jesus stood and he shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. If you believe in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from the heart of anyone who believes in me. So what did it mean that the, the festival, this was called the Feast of Tabernacles or Booths. Today, we might call it the Festival of RVs and camping vehicles and motorhomes and fifth wheels and tents because it commemorated, the, it was a yearly reminder festival of the work of God in delivering the Jewish people from their Egyptian slavery. And so for 40 years, they lived in the desert in little tents, and they wandered around looking for a permanent place to live. We see that happening today around the world with refugees and what's going on, especially in Ukraine. This festival also celebrated God's gracious provision of fruit and grain and harvest. So it was like our Thanksgiving. Jerusalem tripled in population at the time. 
Drinking water was scarce. There was no public fountains, but just a public well. There was no water bottles. You couldn't go to the store and just buy water. There was no running water in the houses or in the camping spots. So people were camped all over the city, in the parks, in the yards, the rooftops, the town square, patios, sidewalks. It was a time to reconnect with family that lived in a different town and to celebrate what God had done in delivering them from slavery. And so Jesus gets up on this last day and says, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. His name matters. Who he is matters. So this last day of the festival of I'm going to call it the Festival of Recreation Vehicles, okay? The last day was a special ceremony. It was a water ceremony reflecting gratitude for the rain. Have you ever thanked God for the rain here? <laughs> Depends if you're a farmer and if you got it when you needed it. On this day, water was poured seven times upon the altar in the temple, and then it poured out of the temple area. When that was happening, Jesus said, anyone who's thirsty may come to me. Jesus is promising water for the soul, not for crops. And he says, this water will never end. It will be a river, living water will flow out of your heart if you believe in me. I will give you water for your soul. So as the religious leaders are pouring out water around the altar in thanksgiving for God's blessing, Jesus shouts out his invitation to anyone at all to have water coming into them and then out of them. And this would be a shadow of what we read in Isaiah chapter 55, where it says, Come all who are thirsty, come to the waters. You cannot buy this soul-quenching water. It is not earned or deserved. It is free. So Jesus is changing this whole festival. That was a once-a-year ceremony. Jesus is saying, the water can flow out of you every single day. I am the source of living water, he said. I'm water for the soul every hour of every day. He's the name. He's the one. So how does this work? Number one, it's a simple condition. If anyone is thirsty, it's not about if you're qualified or good enough to come to Jesus and get this water. The only need, the only qualification you have to have is to be Thirsty, and it's free. That's the condition. And all you have to do is drink it, receive it. Secondly, we all have thirst. Jesus knows this. You know that you have thirst in your soul. We're not talking water for the body. The human soul has thirst. We all know what physical thirst is. That's clear. But what he is saying is the soul has something like physical thirst. When you go without water, your body gets thirsty and it can die. And the soul, when it goes without God, gets thirsty, and it can die. Jesus doesn't just have what our souls need. He is what our souls need. It's Jesus. That's the name. He also said, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me will never thirst. So he's not talking about physical bread and water. He's talking about for the soul. The soul can drink and does drink. Do you know that? That you're... Your soul goes after things. It's thirsty for things. It can swallow. Now, Jesus is speaking spiritually, not materially. He says, come to me and drink. Your soul is longing after things. Come and let me satisfy it. It's not something you do with your throat or your mouth. It's something you do with your soul. You do it spiritually. 
We were made for this. This was part of the purpose that we have. We're not a mere animal. We were made for this, to drink and swallow. The most important thing we tell people when they go hiking in a hot environment is stay hydrated. People die every day. In the summer, it seems, in the um, Grand Canyon, they just don't take enough water down for themselves, and they die. People die. And Jesus is saying, you need water for your soul or you will die. You need to stay hydrated spiritually. Your body was made to live on water, and your soul was made to live on God. That's the most important thing to know about ourselves. That's what we taught the kids this week. You're made for this purpose. We were meant to live on God, so to speak. We have a soul, a spirit. We are so much more than just a body. Our soul thirst is satisfied in Jesus. That's what Jesus is telling us. And, and he's implying it will be satisfying for the soul. The aim of cooking is eating. The aim of digging wells and clearing springs is drinking. Everything Jesus came to do and teach is aimed at providing the soul with food and drink that satisfies forever. It's free, it says. The soul has a thirst, and Jesus aims to satisfy the soul forever. So we share this with the kids. We are, some people might wonder, well, are you, are you forcing it on them? Are you making them do it? <laughs> Jesus says, anyone who's thirsty, it's based on the total free will of what you and I want to do with our soul, with our life. I was reading in a magazine this week, woman claimed coerced into baptism. She was coerced into baptism. Interesting story. So we, we don't coerce the kids. We believe Jesus is at work through his Holy Spirit to show us that we're empty in our soul and we need to be filled with Jesus. We filled it with all kinds of what we would call earthly things, and I'll get to that in a minute. But here's what happened. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation is looking into a claim by a 42-year-old woman who is suing a sheriff deputy for forcing her to get baptized. Shandle Marie Riley was pulled over in a traffic stop in 2019 and told Deputy Daniel Wilkie she had a marijuana cigarette with her. She claims the deputy then offered her a choice, be arrested or get baptized. <laughs> Riley chose baptism. <laughs> the religious ritual was filmed by a second deputy. Riley later sued, claiming law enforcement officers violated her freedom of religion. So when you come into a church, we're not coercing. We believe God is the one who gets into your heart and tells you what's going on in your soul and what you need. We don't, we don't coerce. That's just interesting. <laughs> I don't know what kind of church this guy went to, but Jonathan, you're a policeman. If you ever did that, we'd kick you out of here. It's just, not, it's just not how God works, okay? Have you ever done that, Jonathan? Give, have you ever given people an option? Have people tried to bribe you before? Yes. <laughs> so, whoever believes in me, whoever believes in me, so it's not a special reward if you're really good and you think you're better than others, so therefore I can get Jesus. No, it's for anyone who is thirsty, and then you just have to believe. It's not just a mere decision to believe certain facts or doctrines. It's coming to Jesus 
as a feast. He describes it a feast, a treasure, a banquet, a spring in the desert. We're dying of thirst in our soul. And Jesus says, I will satisfy that thirst. See, we all have longings. We're all looking to be satisfied. Our longings are the deepest and most authentic desires that you and I have. They're honest, they're emotional, they're foundational to who we are as a person. Longings tell us the truth about ourselves, what we run after, what's important to us. And it takes great vulnerability and insight to name a longing and bring it to God. And that's what Jesus is saying. Name your longing. You have a longing in your soul. Guess what? Come, bring it to me. I will satisfy that, what you need. So to name your longing takes time and reflection, takes honesty. We all have longings to be loved. You know, we have a longing for, you know, a better car, a better holiday, but really that doesn't last in the soul. Everybody maybe has gone on a million-dollar holiday throughout Europe and the whole world. It's like to come back, and life is still life. <laughs> life is still life. There's something deeper in their soul that doesn't get satisfied, even with the greatest and best holiday, although they are important. Long, we have longings to be loved, to be adored, to be cared for, to be respected, to be in a place of safety. Solomon in the Bible was very, very thirsty. He was probably the thirstiest man that ever lived. You think you've met some greedy people, people that spent every dime they had on themselves or for themselves. Solomon takes the cake. He was a champion thirst person. In the book of Ecclesiastes, which he wrote, an Ecclesiastes means teacher, and it has, so it has a sense of when you're a teacher, you have a sense of authority. Like, this isn't just opinion. This is the way it is. This is what he said. He was thirsty, remember. I denied myself nothing my eyes went after. I denied myself nothing that I saw. I refused to my heart no pleasure. That is not a simple act. It's not like us just asking Jesus to come into our soul, into our life. And if you know about Solomon, he had over 600 wives, concubines, which were just, you know, women to have babies with. Oh, maybe that one will satisfy me. Maybe that one. You think by the time he got to 10 or 11, it might have been like, maybe this isn't the way to go. And then he just had the greatest number of horses and houses. He just went after everything. He was very thirsty. I denied myself nothing that my eyes saw. I refused my heart no pleasure. Can you imagine that? Do you think that if every longing in your heart was, was given to you, that you think you'd be satisfied? Maybe for a little while. But Jesus is saying there's something so much deeper in you that you can't ignore. And at the end of it all, after giving his heart, his life, everything he saw, his heart desired, he said everything was meaningless, like chasing after the wind, which means you can never catch it. Nothing was gained under the sun. This is what he said. So longings are what God delights in. Longings are his own means of expression. God longs after you. He longs to, to have you know him. He has a heart call for us. He longs for a relationship with you. He created humans in his own image. 
And he pursues us even when we hide from him or are ashamed of our choices. God goes after us. He runs to us. Jesus then is that river that comes in and fills our soul. In Genesis 3.9, after Adam and Eve had gone after what their heart desired and it didn't satisfy and they were kicked out of the garden, they, were hid, they hid from God, he searched for them, calling them out, where are you? And the call goes out again and again from God's heart to our heart through all the generations, where are you? He actually knows where you are. <laughs> you don't, when you pray to him, you don't have to give him your home address. He knows where you are. But he's saying that for our benefit, that he actually cares and longs after us. God longs for you. We have a longing for something more than ourselves, something outside of us, and God is that satisfaction. He is the river to get into. So we come to Jesus to drink. We don't just get a single drink, but we get a spring, a fountain, a well. We get Jesus. Rivers of water will flow because the river maker, so to speak, is in us. That's the point. You will never have to search again for that source to satisfy your soul. It's Jesus. When you come to Jesus, you get him, and he never leaves. This is the mark of your and my true humanity. It sets us apart from all other creatures. We are created for a purpose, and that purpose is this relationship with God, and Jesus is the name. I'll ask the band to come on up. Jesus is the name. All who are thirsty. So are you thirsty? Are you thirsty in your soul? Jesus says, come to me, believe in me, and I will satisfy. In fact, the things that you thought will satisfy you will, will grow strangely dim, to quote a hymn writer. <laughs> and what really matters, and that's the spiritual stuff that God has for you, will truly satisfy. He is alive. He speaks to us today. He invites us to himself, no matter what your struggle, no matter what your question, no matter what you're searching, no matter what your longings are, no matter what your cravings are. I invite you to come back for the next two weeks. I'm going to talk about faith and doubt and questions and how they go together. Kind of having doubt kind of shows you have faith. So that could be an interesting next couple of weeks. He's alive. He's speaking to us today. And his name is Jesus. And may this Jesus bless you and keep you. May he shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may this Lord Jesus turn his face toward you and give you peace. Amen.